0: Welcome to Vermont Artists and Authors, where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing Green Mountain State. This is episode 29. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us M.M. Dumas and Michael Wagner, the creative team of the internationally acclaimed graphic novel, The Lucky Ones, a World War II comic book about a squad of combat engineers. Welcome to the show, Mary and Mike. Hello. Thank you, Mario. <laughs> so, Mary, congratulations, or you know, Mary and uh, the the two of you. You you wrote you, as we said earlier, you wrote the Lucky Ones, which is a World War II um, era comic book that takes place during World War II, and it's about engineers. And I'm remembering my I'm remembering my history here. In a previous interview, you said the average World War II Engineer, combat engineer, lifespan was average of 53 seconds. Is that true? Yeah.
1: Yeah. In a a combat environment. Right. Yeah. Because they usually went in ahead of everybody else to like lay the wire so that they could pull across the water. You know, they were the ones there before the infantry um, oftentimes. And they were oftentimes the ones that went in with dangerous things that blew up and they would uh, they would do the things that uh, the infantry couldn't do because they didn't want to be carrying around all that um, explosives. And mm. so combat um, engineers had a, you know, had a very limited lifespan. Um, right.
0: And, and it was important for them. It was important. And the question, and the natural question is like, if it's such a dangerous position, why did people do it? And the answer is, hey, you know, they could be colorblind or also they don't want to get, what's it called, blue carded, blue chipped? Right,
1: blue carded. Um, yeah. Blue carded back then meant uh, uh, being sent out of the military without a, a, a good recommendation. Uh, and uh, the vast majority of people who got blue carded out um, were people who um, they couldn't uh, kind of use in other places, um, mostly because... Nine times out of 10, they were gay people that had been mm-hmm. found out. Right. And uh, and so the problem with being a blue card was that you lost your VA benefits. Mm. And, uh, and that was almost worse than anything else. Uh, when you left the military back then, it was, if you didn't have your VA benefits, you didn't go to the VA hospital if you'd been injured or, you know, had a purple heart. Sometimes they even pulled purple hearts after the fact wow um yeah being a gay man who was found out in the military in world war ii uh was not uh not a good thing um but they they obviously served i mean right 10 of the world is gay
0: (laughs) right yep one out of ten right yeah and so you you wrote this so let's introduce also your your letterer if uh michael here and how did – so my first question to Mary, and then we'll introduce Mike. How did you find Mike?
1: Oh, um, I had a previous letterer whom I liked very much, but yeah. uh, she was not up to doing um, war stories. War stories require mm. a different kind of lettering.
0: Okay. Um,
1: it's, they're not manga. They're not uh, humor. Uh, right. Although there is humor in the book, but really a war story needs a specialty uh, letterer, somebody who knows how to make airplane sounds and what right. tank sounds sound like, and you know uh, what a boom, what kind of explosion you're doing, right. whether it be uh, a real high-velocity explosion or throwing uh, a hand grenade, and and Mike is. The talent
0: that makes this happen, right? So, so, Mike, talk to us a bit, a bit about this. So, how how is this different in your lettering as compared to some of your other projects?
2: It wasn't a whole lot different. You know, the basics apply, but I've always been pretty meticulous about picking the fonts and making mm. sure that they fit the story so I basically went with an older style font for most cases okay you
0: know something
2: yeah, simple something of, effective
1: yeah I asked him to go with something that looked like it would have been published in
0: 1946 okay yeah now and so, so how did how did that work so talk to us a bit about about I'm, I'm, I'm curious Mary is when you when you found your team uh you have you have mike and was it christian was the
1: yes christian is the artist well this is a real international uh mm. group um i uh the first thing i did was i put out a call for for artists in uh on a on, on a comic book uh facebook page Okay. Um, and when I did, I, you know, I introduced what I was interested in doing, why I was interested in a specific kind of art, um, what I, what I was going to pay them because, you know, artists need to be paid mm-hmm. and, and how I would budget it. And, um, I got a number of, of answers. It was, you know, it was almost too plentiful, <laughs> but then, <laughs> yeah, but then, um, I, uh, I got, uh, Chris's uh, information, and it was like, it, it was like, you know how the angels opened the heavens.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was it. He was right. the guy, and um, and it just took off from there. Now, what was odd is that Christian lives in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, so I can't even send mail to him. It doesn't mm. get. Right. Um, which has been difficult in in that I'd really like to send him a whole bunch of Sergeant Rock comic books and things, you know, just just to get him kind of more familiar with the, the genre. But right. it, yeah, everything I've sent has disappeared into the into somebody else's mailbox. But wow. but he's yeah, he is incredible. He is so dependable. Mm. Um you can set your watch by when he's gonna send stuff. And he's also very po- very popular. He's already done, um, uh, what is it called, uh, Michael? Was it Sex, Sex, Lies and Rock and Roll um, is a recent uh, one that came out from him uh, that he's was done by... four
2: other uh, books and I can't remember all
1: of them. Yeah, <laughs> he's also done something called, I believe it was called Resurrection. Um, anyway, he's he's got a plethora of great comic books out there already. And so I just, I was just... Blessed, very right. blessed.
0: So, 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 Mary, talk to us a bit about uh, the, the, the plot of the book. And this is based off of some inspirations from hearing stories of your father. Is that correct?
1: Right. Yeah, I know I look really young, but my dad was a World War II vet. <laughs> um, he is one of the people that assisted in writing this book, The One Hundred Sixty Eight Hinder Forward, which is about the combat engineers during World War II. The really dry book with lots of maps in it. (laughs) But um, once he got into his dotage and could not leave his wheelchair anymore, my way of entertaining him was to go in and say, tell me a story. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes he would be sleepy. And so he'd tell me stories he didn't mean to tell me, (laughs) (laughs) which is when the story about, you know, he was colorblind. And so he couldn't go into the, uh, air corps which is what he really wanted to do Um, and so he ended up in the combat engineers for that particular reason Um, he also explained to me another fellow that was in his combat engineer unit whom I you know honestly none of these people are exactly my dad in the book in the comic book Um, they're all combinations of many people that I've read about heard about some of them I've met Um, uh, but anyway he told me the story about another fellow who got um, into the combat engineers because he was thrown out, the, out of the one, one um, 101st uh, airborne. Because to get into the airborne, you had to have a certain number of jumps under your belt so that you could um, get in. Mm. And this one fellow was taking money from people and pretending to be them and jumping out of airplanes. Oh, he got wow. caught, obviously, and You know, the next step was either becoming uh, somebody at Leavenworth or joining the combat engineers. (laughs) So there's a lot of stories that are mixed in there that are stories that I either heard from my father, know about from uh, other fellows, or some that I've read in multiple different books uh, on the subject over the years. And 168 is a hot one. Look at the size of that sucker. Um, they're even in this old, old, old novel, um, uh, the soldiers of 44, there's a number of stories in here about gay soldiers, of course, Mm. they didn't call them gay, you know, when this was written in 46, but, um, but it was really a handy way of referencing certain things that they, they went through.
0: Right. My, my next question for you, Mary, is: You've had some background in writing screenplays. How is writing a comic script different than writing a screenplay for you?
1: Um, I think Michael and I had this conversation, and it, it you know, it was very eye-opening for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in screenplays, you have to show it. You can't have, well. Bad screenplays have people thinking things and you can hear their thoughts. The normal screenplay is you have to show it, not dream it. You have to see it, not say it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when I was transferring over from a screenplay, I had to really, you know, do a little more thinking about the seeing because also another thing in a screenplay is it's the director who gets to do the seeing the right. writer is just you know they they write you know what what is a general outline of what should be happening but it's the director who does all that hard work of you know lining out where somebody's standing where this is happening you know but that's the next thing that you have to do as a comic book writer is you have to be the director as well it's not just you know it's not just the words coming out of people's mouths um, it becomes more of a art direction as well as um, comic book writing. Right. Uh, so I, I it's, it's been a real stretch, but I love it. <laughs>
0: right. So your your friend from Chuck's reviews is take a gander at these beautiful people. So
1: hi, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> he's our editor.
0: Yes, he just said that. Yeah, he was, he's, yeah, he, he said he helped, helped edit, edit the book yes. for you.
1: Um, he, he was, he, he's also the reason that I have Michael, yeah. <laughs> excuse me.
0: Okay.
2: All right.
1: He's, he's the reason. Yeah, I Chuck have Michael. and I have
2: worked together on multiple projects over the last few years. And when Mary was looking for a letter, you know, Chuck pimped me out. Yeah. yeah That's excellent. What it comes down
0: to. Right.
1: Well, the and, thing is, is when I got Mike, I got a, a real, much more than just the letter. I got somebody who is, um. A huge asset to the whole thing. He he helps me with things that I just don't understand. You know, Um, it's not like I I have written a comic book, but it it was a fluffy little romance thing. So, Yowie
0: for five years. Right. Yeah. See.
1: (laughs) Yowie is Yowie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That one is uh, currently on the banned books. From Amazon.
0: That's basically. right. I, I I I remember you saying that. Yeah, that's uh that's been banned off of Amazon. It had a good run, you know, yeah. on Amazon. People and, could watch that KDP publishing, but yeah.
1: Right. It had uh, two years. Two years. Yeah. And then I think what happened, this is my theory, because they don't tell yeah. you why. Yeah. My theory is, is that I when I ordered a 10 pack to sell at a Comic Con, um, some printer in their uh in their print print on demand said, Oh my God! There's penises in here.
0: <laughs> and I went
1: to Amazon KDP and said, "We can't do this." And you know, who knows? Probably. enjoyed who knows? That.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we. So, how is it different writing the script for the lucky ones as compared to when you're writing your manga comic?
1: Oh, um, hmm. well, first off, the manga one is a is a rip off of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, so that was, you know. <laughs> Right. It was pre written practically. I just updated and turned Juliet into Julianne. Um, no, that's not completely true. There's a lot of differences. Um, but writing manga and writing a book like a thing like that <clears throat> was a, a one page at a time kind of writing, you know? Right. Because we were, li- we, the first time we put it out was on um, and, uh the other one that's out of, that's defunct now, that I can't think of the name of. Oh, I'll think of it 20 minutes from now. But anyway, yeah, so we so we were doing it uh, one page at a time, putting it out on a, a webcomic, and it was a pretty much a week-to-week writing course, hmm. you know, it wasn't hard. Whereas um, this has been a 20-year writing course for this okay. story. Started out as, of course, stories from my dad, and turned into a um, um, a screenplay. And then now uh, it's it's going to be a – it is a comic book. So I'm really excited about somebody actually opening it up and saying, oh, look at that.
0: <laughs> now, as you said, some of these are based off of stories of your father. Now, how, how much did you have to have it be – Purely biographical, and how much of this did you have to tweak it to make it based on a true story, not
1: okay, um,
0: biographical?
1: Well, first off, it is historically accurate, okay? Yeah. So everything that's happening to this team of men happened to okay. a team of men who were serving um, in the European uh, side of the war. Mm. Um, so I absolutely have to, have to follow the timeline that equals things like um, the Battle of the Balds, the Battle of St. Vith, um, the Battle of Remagen, you know, all those major points, those bings in the history of the war have to be, those have to be hit at the right time. Mm. Um, so I'm not rewriting history. I'm just uh, highlighting some stories that um, didn't make it into the newspaper or didn't make it into any movies that Tom Hanks has done. (laughs) Um, You know, these are these are this is more of a a people story as uh, as much as a war story.
0: Hmm. And. And as you say, this is kind of also a tribute to your dad as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My dad uh, died in 2008. He was a little over 85 years of age. Um, He had three Purple Hearts by the time he left uh, the war. And uh, he then served, he continued to serve his fellow soldiers by working for the Disabled American Veterans, Veterans Mm. of Foreign Wars, and the Veterans Administration. So he he had a, a very warm spot in his heart for the people he served with, the men that he knew, and the men that he left behind.
0: All right. Uh, so, so, Mike, what were some of the things about this particular project that kind of drew you into it?
2: Well, I was a fan of the classic, you know, Sergeant Rock, the Nam, you know, those, all those Carlton war books, not a Super War book again. Mm. You know, that's not something you normally see out on the shelves. It's got a definite approach to it, and I felt it would be a challenge. Mm. You know, go back and do something that's not just your typical superhero book. You know, go, go back to the early days where there was tons of war comics. Right. And yeah. just, you know, keep pushing forward you know, do something a little different than what I've been doing. And it was a great story. You know, it had a hook. I saw a lot of potential in it. And so I
0: signed up. So you mentioned earlier that Mike brought a lot, not just lettering. What were some of the things that you Mike brought that kind of made, uh, uh, pushed the project further along for you?
1: Well, there was one that he he came with Automatically, um, one of the guys in my um, story is named Tex, and he, and Mike helped me make a voice for Tex. Really, Tex uh, he sounded kind of well. He didn't have that twang that he needed, and um, and Mike was able to to just adjust just a little bit within the lettering that just you know what Tex sounds like. Mm. Uh, other things that he has done is. Um, as I was saying earlier, he, he takes, he knows when you're talking about airplanes flying overhead, the sounds that the airplanes are making should be overhead, not down on your feet. (laughs) (laughs) When you see little puffs of smoke in the, in the art, you know that those are little bullets that are hitting and he knows how to say ping, ping, ping. Um, He just, adds such a reality to even dream sequences that it it, he's just he's fabulous (laughs) can i say
0: so talk to us about the 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 timeline i'm really curious about how this works when you're working with a group of people now so mary you write the script then you send it off to christian and say can you draw can you draw this and how did that Talk us the timeline. I'm curious. Well,
1: because of obviously Christians not in the United States, I've yeah. had to um, break it down into uh, eight page units that he sends back to me. I told okay. him what my budget was and I told him how I'd be paying him early on.
2: Yeah. And
1: uh, and he likes having the monthly income that eight units of pages works for him. Okay. So I send him monthly. I send him eight pages. Sometimes I send five because I need an extra um, spread or an extra blank page so that, you know, like there's one page particularly, not in this first one, but later on where where, uh, Bill, our main person, is writing a letter to his mother. And Mm. so I needed Chris to just send me a, you know, a blank guy writing a letter to his mother thing so that Mm. later Michael will go in and write the letter to his mother. Letter it, you know. Um, there's a couple of pages like that, that when I need those, they get they get in, they get kind of tucked in separately uh, from okay. the eight pages that I normally have him do. Uh, he also, he, he sent me a Christmas card with all my guys drawn around a Christmas tree. That oh, that's funny. Just, oh my God, it was just so wonderful. <laughs> Might have to write that into the story. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Uh, and so he draws it out. Is it full on art? Like everything's done, and then it goes to Mike
1: next. Um, well, what what we do is we go back and forth at least two times. Sometimes okay. three, four times. He ink. He he pencils it, and then I I kind of compare it to the script and say, mm. yeah, yeah, this is. Um, I really give him a lot of free reign because Mm. I feel like you're an artist because you enjoy doing something. And if you're just doing something that somebody tells you exactly what to do, you've lost the fun of it. So he does a lot of things, free range. And as a result, sometimes I have to go and look at my script and say, you know, that'll work better because my script says this, but that'll work better. So I, I do adjust the script as it goes along. Um, Very seldom. I've, I've said, you know, panel two needs to be a closer up or panel five. um, You know, we don't need so-and-so because he's, he's not with them anymore or, you know, those. sorts. Um, And so that's the pencils. Then he, then he inks. And then he, he, I also have him as my colorist. Um, Because I didn't want to have that golden thick color that is very popular right now with um, with the comic book industry. I wanted it to look more of the 40s, 50s, 60s style of inking. I mean, excuse me, of of coloring.
0: After that happened. So when does when does Mike get involved then?
1: Um, Mike gets involved uh, when I get 24 pages together because okay. that's uh, the size of a floppy. So when okay. I when I get to the point where I've got, you know, ready to do 24 pages of it, and then Mike gets involved and does the lettering. Um, that's when we also go back and forth and back and forth about some some little bits about the way that somebody's speaking. Um, uh in fact, <laughs> the very end of this particular first episode has a has a real zinger <laughs> and, uh, Yeah, and Michael and I kind of came up with the way it zings at the end so okay no Michael, Michael
2: about, before, but we got it
1: yeah.
0: right. So I'm kind of curious too, Michael, when you're when you're there, how much as a letterer you seem to be the last person to, Touch the page, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Do you at there is there any point where you you know with your with your skills with Photoshop and whatnot? Do you ever have to move and adjust the image a bit to give you room to put in a word bubble? How does that? Yeah, I see. You're nodding your head. All so how does time, that
2: all the time? You yeah. had to flip and, a <laughs> Yeah, and that comes with the territory. I mean. It's just something that has to be done. Right. Yeah. Artist Christian's good about it, but I work with some artists who wants to fill the whole page and not leave room for any dialogue. So that's that's when the work comes in. Okay. Right? Now, slapping letters on a page is easy. But make it where it flows. Right. And the text fits without covering any art of any importance. That's when the trick tricks start happening. You gotta, cause you there's there's an art to lettering. There's an art to making it flow. There's an art to the way it's read. Mm. You know, you, I've seen so many indie creators just slap words down <laughs> in you know Microsoft Paint or whatever stock program that came with their computer in Times New Roman font. And it just looks bad. It's hard to read. It's hard to follow. You've got to make it work. You know, cross balloon tails or big no-no. It's, you know, lettering is an art. Right. And it's got to be studied as an
1: art. Another part of the lettering that he's done that just uh, brings things to life is, um, you know, uh, the tail on a balloon. Uh, if it's just a straight tail, it doesn't tell anything about the way the person is speaking. Um, okay. If the person is speaking because they're making a joke, or they're speaking because they're in pain, mm. they're, the tail needs to be different for each kind of those pieces.
2: Well, even the balloon is different. You know, yeah. if someone's in pain and in stress, the balloon's going to be a little wobbly and lopsided and not as clear same way with the tail it's going to be distorted it's going to be wiggly that shows it out you know font size within the balloon you know if you have a big balloon with a little font that signifies that they're whispering Mm. but if you have a big font size and a small balloon that also signifies yelling and you got everything in between, and you can say a lot with, you know, your font choices and your balloon choices. Mm. So it, it's a lot more than just slapping on balloons onto a page.
0: Right. Yeah, that's beautiful. And like you say, there's an art form to it based off of also what font you use, where it's placed on the page. You have to make sure the eye follows it the correct way. Um, yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, there's lots of ways to, um, to adjust the way a person is talking. So an example is somebody who not really stutters but pauses a lot in their conversation um, there's ways to do that so that when you're reading it you're going oh that guy pauses a lot during this conversation <laughs> you can hear them in your mind obviously right. but you can hear them because of a good letterer
0: right and so getting back and talking about the, uh, the to this the story uh, you already have five, Issues done, Directly correct? Out. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. it, will,
1: it will be an eight issue um, floppies. Um, and then it will become a, a, a an omnibus, I guess, uh, a graphic novel. Mm. Um, it's written intentionally to be a graphic novel, although um, because of the way that I've divided it into 24 pages, there are many um, crescendos. In each part of the story, right, Um, and and that's I don't know I might end up doing a little bit of adjusting uh, when it becomes a graphic novel because you can't have that many crescendos because people are always like (laughs) okay, but you know, but in comic book writing you need those you know you need to have it so that people want to see what the next what's gonna happen next you know
2: right.
0: and so, where do you? So, for for those that are that for those that are listening or watching who, uh, might be an armchair historian of World War II, I'm saying maybe not an expert but knows enough. What would be some of the surprises that they would learn from from this series? Well, um, I think the first
1: thing is is that a lot of waiting around for a war to happen is Mm. waiting around for a war to happen. I I kind of, I kind of say, it's like being a firefighter. You're Ah. always sitting there waiting for horrible shit to happen. And then you go and save everybody. And uh, so there's a lot of building of friendships and getting to know each other and, you know, stupid stuff, you know, fights Mm. and things like that because of something dumb um, right. That happens in between the battles and the battles readjust everything that you knew about each other, too. So um, each each part of being a military man in a war situation adjusts right. your way of looking at the world every time you hit that possibility of dying.
0: Right.
1: So so it really does. um some of the gentlemen in the in the uh, squad um, grow. They become better people. Others become, they, they, they're just who they are, you know, because right. they're they either too old to adjust or they're just unwilling to adjust. Um, others, um, others are brokenhearted when they lose someone, um, right. you know, whether it be uh, someone at home or someone on the battlefield. So, uh, so it's more of a uh, it's it's about the it's about the human condition as much as the war,
0: right? And you and you did kind of me- mention that too about the even though the ne- the term PTSD was never used at this time, they used the term shell shock yeah. or other terms for that. What were how do you address that as a writer um, addressing that within the series?
1: Um, well. It is the first scene of the series. Mm. Um, Bill, our protagonist, uh, awakens from a horrible nightmare. Mm. And um, and thank you, Michael. Michael came up with the line, um, when is this ever going to end? Mm. Um, and so, you know, Bill, when we first see him, I mean, when we first see him, he's a cranky old man. You now he's right. telling the stories to his grandson. He's a, he's a cranky old guy. Um, and as we're being told his stories, we start to realize that he wasn't that cranky old guy when he was twenty. Hmm. Um, so the way that the story is told also it helps the way that the story is told with the with the art um, right. in the an art piece. That's that's a, that art piece is um, done with the squiggly lines around the outside. Right. So, you, so the reader is clued in that that's not real life okay okay um and then he awakens and we're in real life right um the other the other section that uh, where we where we can use that kind of art is when he's um suddenly imagining something he's 75 right. years old he gets a little dizzy and then he sees things that were there but it was 50 years ago they were there. Right. Um, other ways of telling this story are um, he, he, he has he, he thinks of things in his own mind. So he isn't necessarily dreaming on this page but it's muted and it's brought mm. down and the colors are less because here he is Thinking about what was going on, right? So it's um, so the way you can tell a story with that kind of jumping around is all in the way the art is approached, right? And uh, again, Chris has hit it on the mark almost every time, so I'm I'm really happy with him.
0: (laughs) So let's let's chat a bit about the uh your 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 pledge levels um, for people to check out. Uh, I love your pledge levels. So I, I, love I love the idea that you have. You know, of course, your one dollar pledge level. Just uh, you know, here's you know here's your support. You know, you get the heartfelt thanks. Now, the heartfelt thanks is that in PDF format or is the heartfelt <laughs> thanks as you mail?
1: It's mind melding.
0: <laughs> uh, and I love the fact that you have your. Your PDF version, $5, $5, $5 PDF, and that is the 24 pager, right? Yep.
1: yep. Yep. That's the 24 pager sent to you as a PDF. Limited uh, download because, you know, in the future we'll be pulling it back and using it as the um, part of the uh, gra- graphic novel. Sorry, lost the right. word right. there. Yeah. Um, so in the future it would be pulled back because hmm. it needs to go into a different way of protecting your uh, intellectual property. Right. But in the meantime, you know, if you're ordering a actual printing of it, you get to own that forever. Right. Maybe in 50 years, it'll be worth some money. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and you said, and so for, for the $10 level, you, you do get the comic book, yep, the physical copy. Yep. Okay, and then plus and, and plus the PDF as well. Right? yeah, yeah right okay. And for fifteen dollars, uh, oh no, so that no, for the f- the ten dollars, oh, no. you don't get the PDF.
1: Just get the comic book right. That's
0: right. okay, so for fifteen dollars you get the the pr- the printed copy, a personal letter from me <laughs> from you. And and the PDF then, too. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and talk to us a bit about the classroom, classroom or retail reward.
1: Oh, okay. So this is where I have to kind of be a little more specific when I put it out because this is going to be a T for teen kind of book, right? Right. right. Um, so I don't want third graders to be given it. Um, it's also why I'm not putting it out of, as a PDF for those that five books that situation because right. I don't really want a teacher to be showing it up on the class big screen and in third grade and then you know why are those guys naked <laughs> well're <they're> naked <laughs> we're in the shower honey um, <laughs> but the other um, the other situation of course is that you know um, as we go along we're going to be talking about um, what what were you know what were fags back then. We right. don't. We don't need to have children hearing those words because then they'll think it's okay. We can say those words in a historically accurate way, mm. where teens already know that that is not a word we use. Um, so that's why I'm. I'm. I've kind of hedged my bet by telling them this is a teen or higher um, right. book. Right. Um, and then, of course, uh, I also own a very small, tiny comic book store. And so I like having the ability to um, support Kickstarters and get five books at a time, because then I can have them on the shelves. Right, um, right. So that's why I did that one.
0: And I love your, I'm going to say, I love your $100 pledge.
1: Oh, the well, graphic
0: I- novel. <laughs> this is why, because if you do the math on this, you're going to be backing all eight issues at a minimum of $10 each. Plus right. shipping this ends up probably being a better deal in the long run, yep because you're not shipping paying for shipping for each single issue at ten dollars each, so this actually is the best deal on here is yep. paying a hundred dollars for all eight issues, so yeah
1: right yeah. um. I, it's because I really want to convince people that I ha- have a commitment to this, and they it will right. be a finished product. Because yeah. Michael tell you, there's so many people that have done one and done, right. uh, where you think that you get to the end of that story, and you're like, oh good, I'm really interested, and then they never do anymore.
0: Right. <laughs> so here's the thing. so you're gonna have to have something, Mary. For the the four people so far who've backed that graphic novel,
1: is t- giving I'm- them a. I'm already. I'm going to gift send them a copy of book one just because to thank them.
0: Okay, but but then again, when they want to come back for come back for so you know the second Kickstarter and third Kickstarter, you gotta you, know, you to have buttons. You know, you're gonna have like um, World War Two era <laughs> buttons that were something me, that you me, can. Me. yeah. Um,
1: well, yeah. you know, each each cover is going to be a different art. Uh, each right. cover is going some. Uh, I've already got different artists lined up for each cover. So people are going to be getting something completely different. So it's not like the, if they support all, all eight books, all eight, excuse me, floppies, they'll, they'll eat the, each and every cover is going to be a different cover. And then of course we'll have a even different cover for the, the grand finale, the the graphic novel. And, you know, by that time, maybe I'll be able to hire somebody like, Billy Tucci to do the cover. Wouldn't
0: that be cool? So, I was going to say, this is an amazing piece of amazing piece. And so you have, uh, and and, and Mike, you're you're, you're there for all eight issues too, correct? He
1: better be.
2: (laughs) Maybe. I'll think about
0: it. Yeah, these are gorgeous, gorgeous pieces of work. I, Love that. Love the story. I love the, the you know, the, the educational aspect of it. Um, and, and as you say, it's a story that needs to be told. Um, especially as you're saying that we are now at there um, with the close to the 80th anniversary of D-Day now.
1: Right. Right. We just, yeah. uh, we just passed the 80th anniversary of, uh, of the Pearl, Pearl Harbor. Harbor. Yeah. Um, and D-Day, while we were obviously fighting, um, our fighting men were out there already before d-day they, they were in North Africa getting into right. Italy all that D-day is the day that we really said America is going to win this war and mm. um, and so it's an important date it really is it's a it's a date that um, you know men and I mean all Americans really became truly Americans there was no more. I'm an Italian and I live in this neighborhood and I'm Irish and I live in this neighborhood and I'm going to beat you up. So that kind of stuff ended right. when World War II came. Right? Right. Um, because they were all Americans. And I kind of miss that we've got that, you know, that theory doesn't exist right now. I kind of miss right. it a little
0: bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. So yeah, this is a good, st- good exciting stuff. And um, I'm really looking forward to reading the story. So, thank you. Uh, so perfect. So listen, so the, the two of you are going to have to come back on, you know, when, uh, to promote issue number two next too. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. Two, three, perfect. seven, eight. <laughs> um, if you look at our website again, you'll notice that I've got covers for, um, two, one, two, three, and four ready. Right. Um, I've yeah. already got, uh, Chris has already got 126 pages done.
0: Wow, that's yeah. right. You said he's already uh, he's chomping five over issues.
1: To get this out, yeah. So, right. um, and he's just a, he's a workhorse. So, right. Uh, book two there is uh, that's Bill uh, trying to decide if he wants to go to this damn reunion with with the uh, ghosts of his his colleagues from World War Two. Right. Yeah. Um. Then uh, book three is a a different artist, someone I know, um, Ben. um, And he is more well-known for his uh, fantasy art. So when he pulls together this, yeah. He does art that looks very much like the Skeksis from uh, the- uh, uh, Dark
0: Crystal. Yeah,
1: Dark Crystal. Yeah. So so imagine, you know, coming into this as a fantasy art. So, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Real, real pleased with that one. And then, of course, number four is uh, the um, pretty much the the crescendo of the first writing of uh, the first uh, chapters of the book. And that's why we have the whole team on the cover. And I can name every single one of those guys. (laughs) (laughs) They're starting to really... uh, Michael, tell you. They, they, they do have their own individual personalities, and you start to realize it after a few pages.
2: Plastic City Comic Con, July 16th. We will both be there promoting, you know. We will
1: have copies the of boat, the comic book. And we will have copies. Yes. Thank you. We will wow. have copies of the comic book at Plastic City. Um, it's a one-day Comic Con um, here in, in Massachusetts. I'm really excited to go to it. I haven't been to it before. Um, and then the other thing that I... It's I got accepted at SPX in Maryland in nice. September, and I am so excited. <laughs> I've been trying to get into that for five years, and uh, and that's not counting the two years of COVID. Um, right. So I'm, I'm very, very happy that uh, Small Press Expo said yes.
0: Cool. Congratulations.
1: Hopefully yeah. we'll have three books to show them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if people want to learn more about your, your work, Mary, where can what's the best place they can go? Uh
1: the website definitely um, is uh, the lucky ones comic.com. Okay. Um, if they want to learn about my Yowie, um, that that website is um, just Yowie.com. Just
0: Yowie.com. Yeah. And how do you spell Yowie? Why why,
1: why do you ask hard questions? Um <laughs> Y A O I.
0: <laughs> y A O I. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I. Uh, <laughs> that one has, you know, my uh, review, the reviews on the previous book. And so people will say, oh, I guess she can write. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my yeah. next book will be yeah. about something, something different.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, there it is. There
0: Just it Jolly. is. Just,
1: yeah. Oh, Julian. That's three. That's a couple of reviews. People liked my shit.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, and I have to go in and adjust that. I, Oh, bad me. Yeah. You yep. can't get on uh, Amazon anymore.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Yep. Cool. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to ask the printer who does who's doing uh the, the lucky ones what they'll do for me for Romeo X, Julian the first date. <laughs>
0: Perfect, and and Michael, where if people want to find your work, where they where can they go?
2: My work is all over the place. It is all over uh, the place. I know. Lucky Comics is one of the sites I work for. Uh, Freefall Press on Facebook is my publishing, yeah. and there are countless. Freelance gigs all over the place.
1: Feel good people. If I'm not
2: working on five projects at once, I kind of lose it. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I'm always juggling four or five books at a time.
0: Well, thank you so much, guys. And, uh, and I look forward to having you come back on again to chat about your next issue. Thank you
1: very, very much. Much appreciated and fun. you